Good morning and welcome to the Marcus Today members exclusive podcast. My name is Henry Jennings. It is Friday the 28th of July and as usual with all the information contained in this podcast it is general advice only so please do your own research, contact your own financial advisor regarding any of the thoughts, ideas or insights in this podcast. All right well we're just waiting on the retail sales and the PPI number to come out at 11.30 and I will give you the update when it does but the market's certainly on a little bit of a negative spiral this morning as we have seen overnight uh, the US market's down uh, across the board a a late shift in sentiment there on the back of rumours coming out that the Bank of Japan is going to be tweaking some of their settings uh, the policymakers are meeting at lunchtime today in our time, so be prepared for that at lunchtime. Uh, they are maybe weighing a, haw- a hawkish tweet to years of bond yield repression, which uh, ignited a bit of a tempest across U.S. markets. Yields jumped, dollar jumped, etc. Uh, the C- the GDP number as well coming out of the U.S., which was better than anticipated, also adding to the general feeling of negativity, especially with the US markets so overbought at the moment. Of course, our market had a pretty good rally yesterday and uh, unfortunately giving a lot of that back today. But retail sales will give us a little bit more of a guide. And of course, we do get that big uh, announcement or if it isn't a big announcement from the BOJ uh, later today. So I'll be keeping you in touch with that later in the afternoon. All right, well, we just had the retail sales drop. It is 11.30 now. Uh, Retail turnover fell 0.8% in June. Uh, This follows a 0.8% rise in May. Retail turnover fell sharply due to weaker than usual spending on end of financial year sales. Uh, This comes of cost of living pressures. Continue to weigh on consumer spending, according to the ABS. We also have had uh, the... Final demand index as well out, producer price index. Final demand rising 0.5% this quarter, rose 3.9% over the past 12 months. How is that affecting the market? Well, at the moment, the market is rallying. Uh, We were down around 60 points just prior to that number coming out, but now we are down only 44 points. I guess that puts uh, the uh, rate cuts, or at least a rate pause, more on the agenda, given that we are seeing a slippage in terms of that uh, retail sales number. We're also seeing some of the retail stocks just slipping a little bit slightly on the back of that. It looks as if the rally could be a little short-lived. I have to say we're back down to minus 54 points as we speak. 42.02, we are now. 7,402, down 0.7% some of the highlights in the market at the moment. We are seeing uh, that divergence uh, between banks and mining stocks now not so apparent. We are actually seeing a synchronicity in both of them as both sectors are under pressure uh, with the banks easing back from yesterday's rise, although it is modest, I have to say. CBA only down 0.8 of a percent, uh, being one of the worst. Uh, NAB's down 0.6. Macquarie finding its feet a little bit. We did write in the strategy piece this morning on Macquarie and uh, why we were cautious going into the AGM and why at some stage it does present a pretty attractive opportunity. Just waiting for the fallout really. Brokers have been 
mainly positive on the back of the numbers, and it is almost un-Australian not to be uh, positive on those numbers from Macquarie, but certainly it was a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, the stock flat in the face of adversity today, so that is something good, uh, at least there. The rest of the financials, as I say, easing back. Uh, we also have CSL, which I wrote about this morning as well. Again, the myth busters, the myth busted in terms of CSL and Macquarie uh, being un-Australian really to hate those stocks, but they both have been pretty much underperformers for some time, CSL especially, given that uh, the myth that CSL never have downgrades, in fact they did have one last time, so there's certainly a period of grief and consolidation going on in CSL, but at some stage it will be right to buy it. Uh, I'd even suggest that maybe at the moment it is right to have a little nibble in CSL. The rest of the healthcare sector easing back as well. In fact, uh, it's pretty much green across the screen at the moment. We are seeing lithium stocks under pressure too. Fortescue getting some downgrades from brokers, down 2.8%. Rio still copying some downgrades as well, down 1% today. And the gold sector very much under pressure. That news or that rumour at least on the Japanese hawkish move was enough to push the US dollar higher as well as that GDP number as well we got yesterday and some other positive data coming out of the US. That was enough to upset 13 days straight of up for the Dow. 14, unfortunately, not to be, as I said earlier, falling around 290-odd points, and that pushed the US dollar up. Yields pushed up. As a result, our REIT sector has given back all those wonderful gains yesterday. GMG down 2.9%. But the gold sector also whacked on the fact that the gold price was weaker overnight as well. So um, that's something to consider. But we will get some more news coming out of the Bank of Japan at lunchtime. We'll get to see whether the rumours of their hawkish tilt are, um, are going to become reality or whether it was just the bots and the algos picking up on a media report, a media rumour, and moving the market to adjust there. But certainly yields have pushed up. As far as our yields go here today, we have seen those also push a little higher. And we've currently got uh, the Australian 10-year yields around 4.06%. So that very much pushing up uh, today on the back of that move, potentially, I guess, from the Bank of Japan and that US dollar and US bond yields rising. So as far as the market goes, some of the winners and losers today, Sightminders come out with a very good business update today. Some of you will remember that I bought uh, Balior Technology, BTI, which is an LIC, at a big discount to its NTA as a way into Sightminder because Sightminder is one of their biggest investments. So that one's certainly going well today. They're up 20% and Bailador, which is uh, founded and run by uh, David Kirk, who used to be the captain of the All Blacks, up 6.2% and Sightminder up 20%. So a little bit of uh, lag there, but certainly does have an impact on Bailador in terms of that LIC uh, having its NTA, which continues to be at a discount. Other winners today, PointsBet uh, came out with a bit of a market update, talking about cost-cutting and uh, a decreased spend on technology, primarily because they have sold uh, their US business. So clearly that is uh, going to be a win for them as well. Uh, in the losers' corner, though, today, some of the losers out there, we have got uh, gold stocks predominantly uh, in the losers' corner. We've also got uh, a quarterly activities report 
from uh, it's Capricorn as well, um, which is not particularly good news uh, for them. Just having a little look through that now. Uh, Capricorn medals, uh, they have got uh, their quarterly report, and uh, that does seem to have uh, upset the apple cart somewhat. That's the biggest loser today, down 10.6%. The rest of the big losers today are very much focused on the gold sector. As far as strategy goes, well, we are still long the S&P 500, not the NASDAQ. We sold out the NASDAQ ETF. I was beginning to think yesterday I had stuffed up and sold out a little early. All the US markets are overbought, and uh, I was quite happy to take a little bit of money off the table by selling out that NASDAQ ETF. Still long that uh, S&P 500 ETF. No other positions in the ETF strategy portfolio at the moment. I was tempted yesterday to look at um, some sort of ASX 200 ETF, mainly the gear one, which has got leverage, but uh, thought better of it. Didn't really want to be chasing uh, the stocks higher with a sense of FOMO, and uh, in glad I did because, as I say, we are down today, waiting that Japanese news, if there is any news, uh, but happy to sit this one out just at the moment. Uh, we have hit the kind of the top end of our normal trading range. I had thought that we had 7,600 in our sites. It still might well be doable uh, prior to reporting season. It's only 200 points away, but um, certainly uh, that US move last night did take some of the wind out of our sails, and we are continuing to see that weakness in the resource sector, which makes it very hard for the index to push on consistently uh, with uh, resources still very much beholden to any kind of Chinese stimulus that we're not seeing. And of course, Fortescue yesterday came out with their quarterly production report, and we have seen broker downgrades for Fortescue. Rio as well, we've seen broker downgrades there. And also we've seen um, some news in the papers uh, regarding BHP and uh, labour policies or which may have a detrimental effect in terms of the cost base that BHP has for its mining activities in Australia. So there are some headwinds in the mining sector without question, I think is the answer. So just looking in strategy at um, the two myths, and those two myths being busted, as I said earlier, CSL and Macquarie. And Macquarie's the myth there is they always under promise and over-deliver. Well, they kind of under-promised and under-delivered really yesterday. But it, remember, it was only the AGM meeting commentary from uh, Glenn Stevens, who is the chair of Macquarie these days, and also Shamira, but uh, certainly pointing to uh, less volatility, especially in those commodity markets, and Nico Kane and his crew not really firing. But as I wrote in the newsletter this morning, there will come a time uh, when it is right to uh, to go back into Macquarie, it is a money-making machine. They do still have a lot of very smart people geared to only one thing, which is to making money. And uh, I'm sure those volatile times will come back. And given the risk structure and the lattice that they have at Macquarie and the very, very laser-like focused on risk, uh, they will certainly be in the best place to make use of that volatility and make the most money. So don't discount it. It's certainly not a sell. If you were holding it, I would be uh, holding it through the cycle. It's probably um, got uh, uh, some broker downgrades. There's one broker going for a price target now of $175, which is pretty much where it is. And another broker, I think the top end of the range in terms of brokers is around $215. So 
uh, there is quite a widespread, and I guess that's what makes a market. But um, certainly, if we did see the continuation of, of optimistic equity markets, a peaking of interest rates, the soft landing, it would certainly help sentiment uh, on the deal front and may even lead to a little bit of volatility as we progress through the year and even into next year, of course, which is a US election year. So that could be of interest. But certainly don't discount Macquarie. Neither should you discount CSL, which has had a long fall from grace. $265 at the moment, uh, down another uh, 0.8% 265.70 to be exact, but certainly has a long, long fall from grace. Many brokers still very much in love with this one. But uh, at the moment, there does seem to be a lot of consolidation and a lot of hand-wringing after that shock. And it was a shock because I don't think it's ever done that before, a downgrade that we saw from CSL. So an interesting stock, certainly very much geared to the U.S. economy in some ways. Uh, Their plasma collection business in the U.S., which is the core of their business, is very much focused on uh, the U.S. market and paying for blood donations and of course when you have when you have a very strong US economy and, and it is quite strong especially in the jobs market uh, in comparison to all these uh, uh, forecasts of recession then it is uh, harder to get people to donate blood and cost you more and of course we have seen inflationary pressures etc and I'm sure with the heat wave currently engulfing not only the US but Europe etc uh, those people are probably more reluctant to get out and donate blood if it's 44 degrees in Phoenix or whatever it is at the moment. So a little look today, as I say, in strategy on Macquarie and CSL. Also a look today in Henry's Tate. Just uh, I was reminded by one member that we haven't really had a look at copper for a little while. So uh, just having a little look at copper today. The problem with copper is that it is dominated by uh, really two big companies now in Australia as far as the ASX goes, and that is BHP and Rio. BHP, of course, took over that Oz Minerals business, and that was always the go-to play in the copper trade, if you were looking for large caps, that is. There are a bunch of smaller ones. Complicating the factor in copper as well is that it does tend to be associated with gold. It's copper gold. So it is a byproduct or a, a twin product, I guess, of gold extraction. So it's hard to get clean copper exposure in Australia in any kind of meaningful size large cap company. One suggestion obviously is Sanfire Resources, which has three major projects, Motheo, uh, Matza, and of course Degrusa. Degrusa is in kind of rundown mode at the moment. Uh, The two big prospects are um, Matza, which is in Spain, and uh, Motheo, which is in Botswana. Obviously not really in our wheelhouse at the moment, but they are certainly bringing on the Botswana uh, production. That seems to be going according to plan, and Matza seems to be going according to plan as well. So not a bad set of numbers from Samfire, although brokers, I must admit, when you read the research, they are a little bit ho-hum on on this one in terms of their price targets. There are some with uh, price targets above, but generally most brokers seem to think it's pretty much fully valued. Now, the problem, as I say, is that once you go past Sandfire, you are starting to dig down a little bit into the weeds and to the smaller companies in that copper space. And it's probably a good idea next week to have a look at some of those companies. DVP pops up with Bill Beeman behind it. There's also potential uh, for Aeris, 
29 medals, which has been a, a shocking uh, disaster because of the, um, the, the weather and the flooding that they experienced. So we'll ignore that one. Uh, but there is also hot chili as well. And there's certainly plenty of going on in the copper market at the moment. A lot of analysts are predicting this massive, massive need for more and more copper as we electrify the world. And that is without question. The question, of course, then comes, where are we going to get it all from? And um, it is not an easy solution to that, especially when you've got the Chile government at the moment uh, looking at becoming a little bit more environmental friendly and a little less mining friendly. Of course, Escondida, uh, part of that equation. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Next week, as I say, I will have a little look at the copper stocks, the smaller copper stocks in the space, and see if we can identify some that uh, offer a good uh, investment horizon. If you are confused about the copper space, and let's face it, many of us are with the demise of Oz Minerals, the simpler way to play it, and Andrew Weiler, my ETF whisperer friend, would be very pleased for me to be talking this, is to go to a global copper mining ETF, WIRE, W-I-R-E, is the code there. So this one has uh, a very big, uh, well, it's, it's basically skewed towards the, uh, the global copper miners. It's up 2.9% today. So um, that is... Um, that is, sorry, let's uh, get that correct. It's up 0.3 of a percent. I apologise. I was looking at Wire uh, NAS, which is a North American stock on my iris. But uh, the global copper miner ETF Wire could well be an alternative to the likes of Sandfire. It is not probably as exciting as Sandfire, but um, it certainly is a very, very viable alternative. It hasn't been going very long. I have to say, but um, it does offer exposure to those copper miners. And I'll just give you the idea of which copper miners it has on its ETF books. And we have the likes of London Mining, Ivanhoe Mines, First Quantum, Antofagasta, Southern Copper, Grupo Mexico, BHP, Freeport, McMoran, KGHM and Glencore are uh, some of the bigger holdings there. It has been a little bit of a performer over the years. Uh, when you look at uh, the copper stocks, as I say, going back from Samphire, you've got DVP, 29 Metals, Aeris Resources, Aurelia, AMI, Hot Copper, and Cipron Metals, CYP as well. But Samphire has a $3 billion market cap, and you quickly get down to DVP, which is a $620, uh, $20 million market cap, and AIS Aeris, $270 million. So it's easy to see why uh, that wire uh, ETF does hold some attractions. All right, well, uh, I'm sure you've heard enough from me this week and today. Just uh, as we finish up this podcast, still the index down around 52-odd points. Currently, we've got uh, Dow Futures uh, showing a slightly more positive outlook, 10 points up for the Dow Futures and 32 points up for the S&P futures and, of course, waiting for any news coming out of the Bank of Japan later today. But that's it from me. Have a great weekend. No end-of-day podcast this afternoon. I am off early to go and see the England-Denmark game, which kicks off at 6.30, trying to beat the traffic and trying to find somewhere to park the car and uh, to enjoy, hopefully, a bit of a thrashing of Denmark to set the Lionesses on their way to the round of 16. 
Have a great weekend. <laughs>